0: All right, well, I can see the looks on some of your faces. Yes, there really is a guy wearing a Packer jersey preparing to share God's word this morning. And and yes, I, I do have at least a few supporters in the house, but I also see that look of should I ignore him, should I heckle him, and and even maybe some storming of the stage from over here. But guys, this morning I want to tell you why I'm wearing this jersey or actually more to the point why I am a Packer fan, okay? I've been asked that question many, many times over the years. People always offer me excuses. Were you born and raised in Wisconsin? No, I was not born and raised in Wisconsin. I was born and raised in Illinois. And then they'll say, well, did you go to school in Wisconsin? No, I did not go to school in Wisconsin. And they'll ask things like, well, you know, did you just jump on the bandwagon of a winning team? No, I did not jump on the bandwagon of a winning team. And for the less kind of you out there, no, I was not dropped on my head as a small <laughs> child. Okay? None of these are the reasons that I happen to be a Green Bay Packers fan. You know what? I'm a Packers fan because my father was a Packers fan. You know what? And like most little boys growing up, I love my dad and I wanted to be just like him. My dad was my hero. My dad loved the Packers, so I loved the Packers. And in later years, when things got very difficult in our family, Dad and I always had at least that. It was that connection point for us, something we could always talk about, someplace we could always meet in the middle. So I wear this jersey this morning more as an homage to my father than any other reason. You know, he's passed away many years ago now, but every time I sit and watch a Green Bay Packer football game, it feels a little bit like a piece of him is still there with me. And I'm still that little guy who wanted to be just like the father that he loved. And you know, I think most Young boys and girls are like that. They love their moms, their dads. They want to be just like them. And when it comes to some of the trivial things of life, like football or Barbie dolls or baking or working on cars or whatever it might be, that's a great thing. But the reality is that as we grow, the stakes get much higher. And those parents that we love and idolize are human. They have a sin nature. And there are going to be things about them and in them that we shouldn't want to emulate. And that's why it's so critical for us to learn to love the things that our Heavenly Father loves. To have a heart that's in sync with God's heart. And that's the message that I'm going to bring this morning is syncing your heart with God's heart. Those of you that have one of these smartphones know what syncing means. It means to sync up, to make them match. And we're going to be taking a look at, at different passages of scripture this morning, but we're going to start in the book of Acts. So if you have your Bible with you, you want to take that out, you can open up the book of Acts to the 13th chapter of Acts. In Acts chapter 13, we find the first of Paul's sermons that's recorded in the book of Acts. And although Paul's commission was to the Gentiles, Paul loved his people. And so often when he would enter a new uh, new town, new city, uh, for his ministry, he would begin by speaking in the local synagogue. And in this case, Paul is, is in the local synagogue, and he's going to bring a message, and that message is going to really kind of review the history of Israel from the time of the exile in Egypt all the way to uh, the birth of the Messiah. But it's only about a paragraph long, so it's a very, very brief, very concise history that really only touches on some of the very major points of a very complicated and long history of his people. And one of the points that it does touch on is the removal of Saul as king and the appointment of David. This is what it says in verse 22. You can follow along if you have your Bibles. And when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. So in this one verse, we see that David clearly had a heart that was synced up with God's heart. And that was an attribute that was so important that it warranted him receiving special mention in this very concise, very brief history that Paul only names five men in this whole thing, and two of them our genealogy references, simply ancestral references, they don't even refer to what that person's part was in the history of Israel. Obviously, this sticks out. David is a man after God's heart. So, how do we do that? How do we get our hearts in sync with God's hearts? You know, it would be nice if we just came with a button. The sync button, just like on your phone. I don't know where it would be, behind your ear or something. You'd press it, and instantly God's heart and your heart would sync up, and everything would be great, but that's just not how it works. So how can we do it? Well, we can take God's word, and we can see how David accomplished it about 3,000 years before Wi-Fi. So this morning, we're going to look at how to sync your heart with God's. And the first point that we want to make sure that we understand is the importance of of sinking, We have to recognize that importance of sinking up. You know, I think it's interesting that David, David, a man who committed the sins of adultery and murder, was honored by God while Saul was reproached. You know what? David made some terrible, terrible mistakes. But God wasn't simply looking at his results. He was looking at his heart. Second Chronicles 16:9 says this for the eyes of the lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him notice that the scripture says those whose heart is blameless toward him not those whose actions are blameless you know what we all mess up we're all going to make mistakes we are all going to sin Blameless actions aren't a possibility for us, but a heart that is inclined to God is. And not only is it possible, but it's critical. You know, those of you who do use smartphones know that if you don't sync this thing up on a regular basis, it's going to eventually crash and become unrecoverable. Worthless. That's what happened to Saul. He got off track. He was no longer keeping his heart synced with God's heart. He had fallen prey to the things of this world. 1 Samuel 15, 10 through 11 says, The word of the Lord came to Samuel, I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. You see, Saul's heart was no longer synced with God's heart. And as such, he wasn't accomplishing God's will. He'd become useless. So God said, what you and I do... When these things turn into a brick, time to upgrade, right? I hear it all the time. Oh, I can barely wait. I can upgrade my phone in a month or whatever because this thing's just not getting it done anymore. God said, guess what? It's time to upgrade. And he removes Saul as king and replaces him with David, a man who knew the importance of keeping his heart synced with God's heart. Think about the story of David's son Solomon. In 1 Kings 3, 7 through 10, we read this. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant therefore an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked for this. You see, when David's son Solomon became king, he asked God for one thing. And that one thing was wisdom. And God was pleased with Solomon's request. It was unselfish. It was a good request. And he granted it, making Solomon the wisest man that would ever live. And then giving him lots of blessings that he might have asked for on top of it. But then I want you to look at the request that David made of God. In Psalm 27, 4, it says this, One thing have I asked the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David's request? Not wisdom, but closeness with God. We see it throughout the Psalms. David desired an intimate relationship with the Lord. He wanted his heart to be completely in sync with God's heart. And Solomon's wisdom, for all it was worth, didn't prevent him from turning from God. 1 Kings eleven nine 9 through 11 says, And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice, and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods. But he did not keep what the Lord commanded. Therefore, the Lord said to Solomon, since this, has, since this has been your practice, and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes that I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom from you and will give it to your servant. You see, Solomon's heart turned towards other things. And he was no longer loved what his father God loved. And he lost his way. And if we wish to avoid a similar fate, we have to recognize the importance of sinking God's heart with our heart. And as we continue to look at the, the example of David, we're also going to see that in addition to recognizing that need to sink our hearts, we also need to trust Our provider. That's our second point this morning. Trust your provider. You know, when it comes to the reliability of that smartphone that you use so much, the reality is that it's only as good as the provider that is backing it. If you have a bad provider, it's not going to work on a regular basis. It's not going to do the things you want it to do. But if you have a reliable provider, then it's going to be working most of the time, and you're going to be able to accomplish the things with it that you want to accomplish. Well, David trusted his provider. He had complete faith and trust in God. The examples are recorded throughout his life. And nowhere do we see that trust more clearly than what is arguably the greatest battle recorded in the Bible. You know, the Bible recounts many, many, many incredible battles where we see the power of God so, just so vividly. But to me, the one that really stands out the most is the one that was fought between two men in the Valley of Elah. The combatants, a nine and a half foot tall Philistine named Goliath, and a young shepherd boy named David. Twice a day for 40 days, the giant had called out the mighty warriors of Israel, mocked them, and not one of them would come and stand for their God and for Israel. They were terrified. And along comes this kid, the shepherd boy, and he teaches all of them a lesson about trusting their provider. 1 Samuel 17, 43 through 47, gives us this account. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of our hand. You see, David had incredible trust in his provider. Nine and a half foot tall warrior didn't faze him a bit because he knew God was with him. He trusted his God implicitly. He had absolute faith in God. And if we're going to have hearts that are in sync with God's heart, we too have to have total trust and faith in in God. Scripture says, trust God. And Scripture even tells us when you trust God, good things happen. You need peace in your life? Feel like you're kind of struggling? Here's what it says in 1 Samuel 26, 3. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. God says, if you trust me, you will know peace, if you trust me fully. You'll also know security, Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of a man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. In Psalm 125, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people From this time forth and forevermore. God's word is very clear. If you want security, trust in him. How about protection? Psalm 31, 14 through 15. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. Or Psalm 32, 7. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. When we trust our provider, we have his protection. And just like David, we can have freedom from fear. There's a lot of fear in the world these days, folks. A lot of folks who need freedom from fear. This is what Psalm 27.1 says. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? In Psalm 56, uh, 3 through 4, When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? you tired of being afraid? Do you want relief from fear, trust God. It worked for David, and it'll work for you. And our provider can also give us our strength when we trust in him. Isaiah 30, 15 says, For thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. And Isaiah 40, 31 But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Need strength? Feel like you're wearing down? Can't go on any further? Trust your provider. Many of you probably know that Pastor Scott ran another one of those crazy races the other day. 103 miles up and down and up and down through some of the... Uh, most rolling, hilly, tree and rock strewn terrain you can possibly imagine. He ran for about 36 straight hours to run 103 miles. I can imagine how many times during the course of that race he reached out to God and prayed for his strength because as a man, you don't have that kind of strength. There is just no way that a guy is going to be able to do that. But but Scott trusted God, and God was faithful and saw him through that race, and, and he finished it, and I have no idea. I haven't heard anything since then. I imagine he's uh, hopefully been sleeping for quite some time now and is, is recuperating, but uh, he had to trust in the strength of God. So we've seen what we need to trust our provider in all things. And when we do, he'll provide. He will give us Peace and security and protection and freedom from fear and strength and much, much more. So when we get our hearts synced up with God, there's a lot of good stuff in there. But just like with that smartphone, if you want to have the good stuff, you've got to get rid of the junk. You've got to make room for it. You've all experienced this before. That's our third point this morning. Free up some space. You know, most of us have had the experience of having our phones or tablets or computers or whatever electronic device it might be run low on storage space. We've just got way too much junk in there, a bunch of old apps. We don't have any idea why we downloaded them in the first place. I was looking at mine this morning. I've got a dog whistle in my phone. I don't know why. I can barely hear anything, much less a dog whistle. And I think I might have done it once just to torture my dog or see if he could really hear it. But anyway, there's all that junk in there. And when we want to get something of value in there, we've got to get the junk out. And we see in the scriptures that David did the same thing in his relationship with God. You know, after his serious transgression with Bathsheba, David wrote what we know as Psalm 51. And in part it says this, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. You see, David's sin had taken his heart far away from God's. And now he's pleading for forgiveness. He's asking the Lord to draw him close once again. His heart was no longer synced up with God's because it was clogged up and blocked up with this sin. In Psalm 32, 1 through 2, David writes of the blessedness of God's forgiveness for the truly repentant. Here's what he says. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and whose spirit there is no deceit. You see, David knew well the pain of separation from God due to sin. And he knew just as well the blessed joy of forgiveness and the re-sinking of his heart with God. And you know what? When we have unconfessed or unrepentant sin in our lives, it blocks our ability to commune with God. Our hearts aren't going to be aligned with His because our hearts are tainted with sin. And there's no way to align them. Isaiah 59.2 says it this way, But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden His face from you so that He does not hear. Now that's Sounds harsh to us, but it's true. Unconfessed sin will separate us from God and cause him not to hear us. When we have that unconfessed sin in our lives, it's going to block that communication. There is absolutely no opportunity for you to have your heart aligned with God's heart. But there's good news. 1 John nine says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, the sins of the truly repentant will be forgiven according to God's grace through his Son, Jesus Christ. And not only will your sins be forgiven, they'll be forgotten. Isaiah forty three twenty nine says, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. You see, if we want to free up some space so that we can put the good things in our lives that God wants there and desires there and we want to sync up our heart with God, then we have to repent of our sins and seek forgiveness. An emphasis has to be put on the repent part. Fellowship with God requires repentance. It's a requirement for fellowship with God. In Acts 14, when the crowds try to offer sacrifices to Paul and Barnabas, here's what Paul says to them. Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. Paul says turn from or repent of that sin and turn to God. And that's what we have to do. Not just confess the sin, but turn away from it and turn to God. And when we do that, that frees up that space so that we can get synced back up with God so that our hearts can be properly aligned with His heart. Well, in addition to freeing up some space, we also need to study the manual. You know, I don't bet you most of you guys don't even know this. Do you know that your smartphone actually came with a manual? It did. It's that book that you took off the, when you opened the box, you threw this thing aside. That was that book because you had to get at that brand new phone and admire it, and it's all shiny, and the screen isn't cracked in a thousand places, and I've seen people cutting their fingers trying to slide on their cracked phones, and they're so happy to get that new one. But, but you know what? If you're like most of us, you just toss that manual aside. You couldn't care less that it was there. You just grabbed that phone, you turned it on, and you just immediately started punching around on it and trying to navigate through cyberspace uh, without so much as a care about the fact that there was actually an operating manual. And if you had read that operating manual you probably would be getting more out of your phone today. Uh, there's probably some power and some, some uh, things in that phone that are going completely untapped because you didn't read about them. But David knew that we often live our lives in the same manner. We charge blindly ahead, leaving the instruction book, God's operating manual for us, unread. But David read God's word. Here's what it said in Psalm 19, 7 through 11. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. And the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. You see, David had great regard for the word of God. He considered it to be worth more than pure gold and to be sweeter than honey. And I want you to remember, David had only a small fraction of the scriptures of what you and I have. Today, we have the entire Holy Word of God, and it's right at our fingertips. Not only do we have our Bibles, we have it on our phones, our computers, our you know our tablets. We've got podcasts, videos, you name it. The Holy Word of God is at our disposal twenty four seven, and yet we often take that blessing for granted. How many of our Bibles lay unread for days, weeks, months, at a time? How many of those podcasts don't get listened to? Videos don't get watched? And we just go rushing headlong through our lives while the instruction manual lays unopened. And all the wisdom and guidance necessary for living is right there at our fingertips, and we're ignoring it. How can we expect to have hearts that are in tune with God's heart when we're ignoring his instruction. David read God's word regularly, and he didn't just read it, he meditated on it. Psalm 63, 5 and 6 says, My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. David tells us in this psalm that he meditates on the word of God. He meditates day and night. Here he's talking about lying on his bed at night and just meditating on the word of God. Now, I don't know about you guys, but for me, maybe it's my age, kind of when I grew up, I get a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction when I hear the word meditation because I start thinking about this new age stuff and people going home and chanting mantras. This is not what we're talking about here. We're talking about meditating or contemplating or reflecting on God's Word, turning it over and over in our mind and seeking God's understanding of it, focusing on it so that we can better understand it and draw closer to God. Psalm one nineteen forty seven 47 through 48 says, "...for I find my delight in your commandments, which I love." I will lift up my hands toward your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. You see, if we love God, we'll love his word. We'll study it, we'll read it, we'll meditate on it day and night. And in doing so, we can have a heart that is in sync with God's heart. Well, in addition to those things, we also need to upload regularly. You know, most smartphones these days, they upload back to the cloud every night, keeping your data safe if your phone crashes. All of your apps on your phone are constantly being uploaded and downloaded to keep them up with the latest versions so that they're working properly. And it also syncs your data across devices. I love it that when I change something in my calendar on my phone, it changes in my computer and in my tablet it's just, I think it's awesome. It's a little bit creepy, too. All of my devices seem to know what's going on, and there is that small part of me that wonders if they're conspiring with the microwave, but, but we'll call it, that's, that's a different sermon at a different time. But I mean, all of this stuff keeps uploading and downloading and keeping everything where it should be. Well, David knew the importance of regular uploads. You see, Scripture is filled with his prayers, his poems, his songs to God. Regular worship was a hallmark of David's life. And if we want to be a man or a woman after God's heart, we need to fill our lives with worship and with prayer as well. Psalm 145, 1-3 through 3 says, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. See, David's saying there that he will praise God's name every day forever and ever. And so should we. You know, far too often we think of worship as being something for Sunday morning, something that we come here and we do corporately. But that couldn't be farther from the truth. See, worship was a way of life for David, it meant living his life completely for God and God's purposes. And that's the way it should be for us as well. Our very lives can be an act of worship when we're fully surrendered to God. Matthew 27, 30, I'm sorry, 22, 37 through 38 says it this way. And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the great and first commandment. You see, if we really want to be a man or a woman after God's heart, we have to love him with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind. It's an all-consuming love that permeates every single aspect of our lives and every single minute of our day. Remember David's request back in Psalm 27. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David loved God and wanted nothing more than to be close to him all day, every day. And he knew the importance of prayer in attaining that relationship. Psalm 145, 18 says, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all to call on on him in truth. David says, You want to sink your heart to God's? Then pray. Psalm 72, verses 23 through 26. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterwards you receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. You see, through prayer we can have true fellowship with God. Notice the words of the psalmist. I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me. What a great comfort to know that when your heart is in sync with God's heart, he's right there with you, taking your hand, guiding you, caring for you the way a parent cares for a child. Jesus knew the importance of, and the power of Prayer. Scripture tells us that he often withdrew to the, from the crowds to pray. It tells us that he spent 40 days in the wilderness praying and fasting in preparation for his earthly ministry. And in his anguish in the Garden of Gethsemane, he falls on his face and pours his heart out to God. Not once, not twice, but three times. His example is easy to see. If you want to be close to God the Father, then pray. And make those prayers a pouring out of your heart, not just empty words or hollow phrases. Matthew 6, 5 through 8 says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Open, honest communication with God. Pour out your heart to Him, and you'll find that your heart becomes His heart. You know, as I told you at the beginning of this message, I wear this shirt to honor my Father. But I need to live my life to honor my Heavenly Father. And if I want to do that, then I've got to get my heart in sync with God's heart. And to do that, I need to recognize the importance of syncing. I need to trust my provider. I need to free up some space. I need to study the manual. And I need to upload regularly. Now, folks, you may be here this morning, and you don't know what it means to have God's heart because you don't have the gift of salvation that free gift that his son Jesus died to give you you see all of these wonderful things can't be ours until we've accepted the son as our savior and if you feel god calling you this morning to rectify that situation to acknowledge your sin to seek forgiveness for it to accept the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior. In a moment, we're going to close in prayer. And at the end of that prayer, I'm going to say another prayer. It's a very simple prayer. And you can pray something like that just silently along with me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your holy word. And we thank you, Father, that through your word and through the shed blood of your son Jesus that we can have hearts that are in tune with your heart. Father, we ask this morning that you would help us to do that, to have hearts that are synced up with yours in a way that we see the world through your eyes. We love the world around us with your heart and that we love you more than anything. And we ask it in the name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you're here this morning and you need to call on the Lord for salvation, you can say this simple prayer. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I know I can't fix that sin, but Jesus, you came and you died to pay for my sin. And I thank you, Lord, and I ask your forgiveness and I ask that you would come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. I thank you for all you do, Jesus, and I pray it in your name. Amen.